with all the craziness going on in the world, I, I had to ask myself this very simple question this week, and I think many of us have asked ourselves the question, how does something so good be presented so bad? How does something so good um, come to a place where he's of no power? And I want to, I want to chat around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I think we're living in a society, we're living in a world where the gospel is something that is almost starting to be frowned upon. You know, it's coming to a place where those that are believers, you know, are looked upon differently. Oh, you those religious people. Oh, you those happy, happy people. Oh. And all of a sudden, we're in a society where very much our voice as believers has been toned down. We can't speak about things. We can't speak about sexuality anymore because of the faith. We can't speak about abortion anymore because of the faith. We can't speak about, you know, divorce anymore because of the faith. We can't speak about color anymore because of the faith. And, and we live in a society where more and more of who we are has been almost starting to be brushed underneath, underneath the counter. And we're not allowed to be who God has called us to be. And I thought that's the question I asked myself. Why is something that is so right? become so wrong. And, and, I, and I really look at this and I don't want to, I don't want to preach to you this morning from, um, in a sense of, from one point of view. But I, I looked at the gospel and, and I preached the gospel and I live the gospel and it is who I am. And, and I look at everything that God says to us and I look at the word of God and I look at, at what the prophets of old have said and I listen to pastors preach. And, and I often I keep concerned because everything that God presents to us and everything that God has placed in front of us and every direction that God has given us and every command that God has given us is good. It is good. Let's think about it. Let's just for a moment think about what is good and what is bad in our lives. And somewhere along the line, everything that God gives us is for our benefit. It's for us to prosper. It's for us to grow. It's for us to become all that God has purposed us to be. It is for our strength, it's for our wealth, it's for our well-being, it's for our marriage, it's for everything. And yet, we've got a world that is preaching a whole different doctrine that, you know what, that being bad is good. And, and if we say anything about it, it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You guys are just religious. Or, or you know what, no, you guys are just Bible bashers. But let's think about it, and, and the scripture that came on this week, this week, and I just want to share a little bit this morning on it, was the scripture found in Matthew 7, and you can turn there, and I'm going to get there now. You see, we find ourselves in a society that, that has become more, uh, less and less and less dependent on religion and God. We, we grew up in society, and I can speak from my age, and, and you know, I'm sure there is the God to speak. But, but when we grew up in, 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 as kids, Christianity wasn't in a sense a choice, it was a way that we lived. It was, well, you know, do good and you get good, in a sense. It was a way of life because everyone spoke about it. And everyone went to church and, and everyone read the Bible and everyone had a Bible. And all our Talmuds, remember, had little Gideon Bibles in them. And you went to the army to choose which church you go to. You went to the police force, you had a church, choose which church you went to. And, and so church wasn't in a sense an option. And it wasn't because we were forced to go. And many will probably say they were forced to go. But a lot of it was a choice. Because a lot of the times we went because we needed Jesus in our lives. And we knew that we needed Jesus in our lives. 
But somewhere along the line, we live in society today where faith is not spoken about. I believe in Jesus is not spoken about. What, what we stand for is not spoken about. And we find ourselves becoming more and more and more silent on the issue because somewhere along the line, the world has got a bigger voice than what we've got right now. And yet, the, in Matthew, Jesus writes this, this, this story, and not the story, but he just uses this little example. And, and he says there in, in verse 30, I'm going to read now, we all know the scripture, but listen to this, he says, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who are on it. He says, because the narrow gate, and oh, sorry, because narrow, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few that will find it. We, we, we mostly pass the stuff. You know, we, we, we keep going to speak about this broad road and narrow road. No, Jesus didn't speak about a broad road and narrow road. We, you and I got to understand something. There's one road that you and I are journeying right now. Whether we saved or not, there's one road that mankind is on right now. But the Word of God says that at the end of that road, He says almost there's a choice that's going to be presented to us. A choice between a wide gate and a narrow gate. And He says, and the life that you live and the person that you are and the God that you follow and serve will determine which gate you enter into. Now, now we sometimes we get this wrong because sometimes as believers we believe that it's a, this whole story is about sinners and those that are saved. But when I read the scripture, I really start that God, what are you saying here? It's almost like God said me, good. I'm speaking to the Savior. I'm speaking to the saved because I'm saying to them, as believers, there's a destination that we need to go to. You see, there's believers on this road that are aiming for the narrow gate. And the narrow gate almost seems impossible to most people, but it's common living. I need to say that to you, it's common living. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't honor your mother and your father. It is simple stuff. It is, it is simple stuff that we need to follow. There's not this, this theologically degree or doctrine that you and I need to come to the knowledge of Jesus. It's not about that. It's about living a life that represents Christ. That is what we call ourselves Christians. To be Christ-like in our behavior. And I always amaze me. Now please, don't, don't hear me here. I've journeyed down and very close to the broad gate in my life. I think many of us have done a U-turn and some of us have actually looked inside and maybe turned around. That's how close we were to that gate. I mean, let's not fool ourselves here. But there's a better way of life that Jesus is speaking about. And, and you know, when, when we read this and I, and I start to read this, I start to realize that guys like Jim Jones were on the same road. You know, guys like Manson were on the same road. David Koresh and Letty Scots were all on the same road. But he says you've got to understand something that you're going to live life in the broad. How do you ever enter into the gate that is narrow? Everything that we start starts off well. And I asked him the other day, we were chatting about it and said, baby, how do people walk away from God? How do people walk away from the calling? How do people get so misled and so confused in their mind about how you and who Jesus is? 
And I don't understand because the Word of God simply says that no man cometh unto the Father but through the Son. No man cometh unto the Father but through the Son. The John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so there's this journey towards eternity that you and I find ourselves on. But often we need to check ourselves. We need to check ourselves in what the road looks like ahead and what is it the gate that we're aiming for at the end of the day. Because you know the Word of God says that at the end time, very few would find the narrow gate. In actual fact, the Word of God says that even the elite at the end time will be deceived in what it is that we believe. You see, the problem is, is that we're not serving in a kingdom right now that wants to bring glory to God. We're serving in this kingdom that wants to bring glory to ourselves. And we want to live a life that pleases me. And we want God to answer our prayers like this. And we want God to sort our problems like this. And God must do this. And God must do this. And God must do this. But none of us want to actually journey the road and say, Father, what is it that you want for me? What is it that I need in my life to come and enter that narrow gate? Because I want to be part of the few that will come that way. You see, whenever we speak about salvation, Philippians 2.12 says a very simple thing. He says, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, I'm going to go what salvation is now, but work it out, your own salvation with fear and trembling. What I'm saying is that you're responsible for your salvation. The church is not responsible for your salvation. Your pastor is not responsible for your salvation. Your life group leader is not responsible for your salvation. You are responsible for your salvation. And when I speak about salvation church, I'm going to speak about this. That is, you are, you are accountable for your relationship with God. That's it. What happens if there is no church? What happens if you only got five pages of a Bible? What happens if you haven't got a pastor that looks after you? We've seen it in COVID. That every time the church closed, more people left the church than ever before. Because you know what? Most people were being carried by the church. And they believed that their salvation of God was right. Why? Because they attended church twice on a Sunday. And they went to home on a Wednesday. And they attended worship practice on a Thursday. And they thought that the stuff that we're doing is really leading us to God. The problem is that the minute that they got separated from God, all of a sudden, God wasn't important anymore. All of a sudden, people started losing their way. All of a sudden, people started walking away from church. All of a sudden, people started doing the stupidest of stuff. Why? Because it was never about working out their own salvation. Their salvation was always dependent on a preacher, on a church, on a life group, on a leader, on someone else, on a husband, on a wife. But at the end of the day, church, I've got to say this to you, that only you, only you, by yourself, will stand before God one day and give an account of your life. Only you. And I can preach my heart out here. And I can give you the best revelations. And I can, I can give you 75 different interpretations of the scripture and Bible verses. It means nothing if it does not move you closer to the arms of Jesus. And unfortunately, I am not one that can carry you there. That you have to go there by yourself. I mean, all of us have been in situations where we knew... That what we're doing was wrong but we were in a group so when the group thought it was a great idea you know 
All of us thought it was a great idea. <coughs> we all know our BC days, you know? We did the stupidest stuff. Half of us should be in prison already sitting here, you know? We just ducked this, this. Let's be honest. But we did the stupidest of stuff. Why? Because somewhere we wanted to be accepted into what was the world was going around around us. Accepted into the groups, accepted into society. But we don't understand that when Jesus said that when I died, He says, I died for whosoever. That I died for you. I want you to get this, that when Jesus hung on the cross, and I know it sounds like a, a thing, but when Jesus hung on the cross, He had you in mind, you know? He didn't die for Axis Family Church. He didn't die for the Church of Jesus Christ. He died for individuals. He died just for Andrew. Why? Because he knew that him and Andrew would meet one day and have this discussion face to face. Andrew, how was the journey? I'm glad you came in through the narrow gate. You see, because the world paints this picture and it's like Las, 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 Las Vegas, you know? With the, the narrow gate is painted as this little cathedral, you know, where all these religious people go to it, got their little Bibles under their arms and praise Jesus. And the broad gate looks like Las Vegas, you know. It just lights and action and camera. But you don't understand that once you're in, there's a cliff on the other side. Amazing that we've got to understand something, that what the word salvation means. That when you come to the knowledge of Jesus, and that, that is it. And I think Angus Bucky says, believers don't go to heaven. Or what does he say? Believers, what? How does he normally say? Believers don't go to heaven. People believe in Jesus got heaven. And sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we miss the fact that there's a huge calling on your life and on my life individually. And I'm speaking individually this morning. I really do. Because you know something? I want you to become better than who you are right now. I want you to understand the calling of God upon your life. I want to understand that the word of God says that He's called you by name. That you have found favor in His sight. The word of God says you're the apple of His eye. The word says he knitted you together in your mother's womb. There's an individual God that I want to speak to you about this morning. A God that loves you, that is not interested in corporate. And, and I promise you, I'm not going to get a bigger house in heaven one day because I've got a bigger church. Believe me, it's not going to happen. But we've got this mindset that if we belong to something corporate, we're good. And we don't understand that if you don't read your Bible in your quiet time, you're not going to grow. If you don't spend time praying in your quiet time, you're not going to grow. If you don't get to know Jesus, you're not going to grow. You cannot be dependent on devil's worship and my word on a Sunday and think that that's going to get you to heaven. And that's what he speaks about this road. Because many, many will give their lives to Jesus simply, why? Because they don't want to go to hell. And you're on this broad road. And yes, you're saved. And yes, you're going to go to heaven because God loves you and Jesus died for you. But what do you do on this journey? What do you do on this journey? Do you just exist? Do you just want to get through life? I mean, think about it. I thought about the other day. I said, I said to God, I said, God, you know, you and I really need to have a chat one day. You know, just not soon, not soon. I still got grandchildren. I still want to see them get married. But we want to chat soon. <coughs> because I, I, at times I think, God, is this it? Is this it? Is this? I was born, you know, into a world. And I've had to deal with all this drama and now pandemics and people dying and people losing their jobs. I'm like, is this it? Is this it? Is this what Jesus died for? And then I realized that where I am right now, just the space between where Jesus died 
and where Jesus redeems me. It's just a space. It's just, it's just a little walk in the road. It's just a little journey. Because he's got me at the end of the day. My name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. He's waiting for me to arrive. He's waiting for me to arrive. But how I journey this thing. And it's not about being religious. It's not knowing about the Bible and, and this and that and praying four hours. That's not what it is. You see, to be Christians is to be Christ-like. And, and we've got to look around and say, I don't care how often you attend church. I want to know how do you treat people outside of this building. Is the love of God in you? Do people look at you and go, Wow, Lazar, you are the light of the world. You are a city on the hill that cannot be dimmed. I want what you've got. I want what you're joining right now. Because let me tell you something. It is pure joy to know Jesus. Are we going to have ups and downs? Absolutely. Are we going to fall? Absolutely. Are we going to bump that toe? Absolutely. But this is the redeeming grace of Jesus that we can stand up in the midst of chaos, in the midst of what we've done and say, Father, I'm so sorry. And it's not just like a little sheepdog. It just moves us back towards that narrow gate again. Hey, hey, hey. You see, whether you like it or not, we're all brought on the, born on this road. The challenge to you and I is this, that, that somewhere in your life and in my life, we came to a crossroad. Somewhere in this journey, you and I came to a crossroad. Somewhere in this journey, you and I said, to you no more. I cannot continue to live the way that I'm living. And there was. There was. There was a choice that I had. There was this beautiful, big, fancy Las Vegas gate that was next to me. And there was this old boring little chapel gate that looked like, maybe that's the way I should go. We all know that story. Half of us were broken when we had to make that choice. Half us had gone through death or suicides or all kinds of things when we had to make that choice. And I must say it's the best choice I made. Because I tell you something, that if I continued, listen to me, Wally, Harry, if I continued, if we continued on the road that we were on, where would we be today? This is what the Word of God says, very few are going to find it. Very few are going to find it. Yes, and I understand God's grace and God's mercy, and I understand all those things. You hear what I'm saying to you? But I still believe that there's this, this thing in us that requires to be the very best that Jesus needs us to be. I cannot just be blasé about my faith. I cannot just be blasé about what I stand for. I can't just be blasé about what it is and who it is that I serve. I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. I serve the guy that spoke and the word said and he was. I serve a God that formed the universe. That from the little ant on the ground to the biggest whale, he formed them. And I'm this mortal man that because of Jesus, I'm able, as sinner, as rotten, dirty, scoundrel as what I was, I was able to walk into the presence of the Creator. Listen to it. The Word of God says, that you and I have free reign into the presence, free access into the presence of God because of Jesus. Now, now just think about this. If I to advertise tomorrow that I am going to have God here as a special guest. And every person that fills in the name, 
they are going to get five minutes with God. And then you have to leave. I guarantee we'll have a queue from Yadu Yuma's door. And yet, and yet, every morning when I wake up, guess what? I'm in the front of the queue. I don't need him to rock up Yeah, He rocks up in my room every morning. And when I say, Abba, he says, son, morning, dad. It's freaking awesome. You know how amazing that is? I mean, that's like dad already stuffed up. He says, oh, no. I was there. <laughs> I was there. Oh, God, my heart was not pure yesterday. He says, I know. What are you going to do about it? I said, I don't know, Dad. He said, I tell you what, I'm leaving my Holy Spirit. How's that? He's going to guide with you and walk with you. And whenever your heart becomes a little bitter, he's going to just give you a tap on the shoulder. Hey, what are you doing? You know the word salvation comes from the root word sozo. And it means this, that to be safe, to be restored, to be delivered, to be protected, to be cured, to ensure salvation, to get well, to resume life. That's what salvation means. That when you and I come to the knowledge of Jesus, He said you receive your healing, and you receive your deliverance, and you receive your cure, and you receive your restoration, and you receive your wholeness. It's not just you getting a ticket not to go to hell. I wonder how many people would be in church if there was no place like hell. This is the problem. Most people live like there's no hell. Most religions have now denounced any form of hell. Most religions believe that we are living in hell right now. This is it. This is the world and we're living in it. And we will graduate from here or not into the things of God. You see, there's one thing to understand your salvation. There's one thing to understand that you've been delivered and set free and cured and made whole and your sins have been removed as far as peace is from the West and that you're holy with God and you're right standing with God. There's one thing to understand that. There's another thing to live in that. You see, I can know all the rules of rugby. If I've never played rugby, I can't call myself a rugby player. I can have all the rules. I can know all the rules. I can be an umpire or a referee or whatever it is. As long as I know the rules, it doesn't make me a player. And this is the thing with Christianity is that so many of us know the rules, but none of us are playing the game. We're not in it to win it at the end of the day. You see, we've got to understand this, that we've got to get to this place that we're in a season right now, church, where God needs us to understand our salvation and our calling and our purpose and our plan. I mean, the world is not getting better out there. Come on. You go to social media, you go to the news in the day. There's no good news. There's no good news out there at the moment. You and I are struggling with stuff. We're struggling with finances. We're struggling with our kids. We're struggling with work. We're struggling with unemployment. We've got all this craziness happening around us. And all we want 
take us out of the situation we And yet God says, I've prepared you for a time such as this. I prepared you. Do you think God didn't know that you were going to be in a pandemic? Really? Do you think God didn't know where we would be right now? God knows where we were right now. And whether you like it or not, you can feel injured, you can feel battered, you can feel bruised right now. But I want to tell you something. There is a God that is cheering you on right now. There is a God that wakes up every morning and is cheering you on. And he said, come on, you can do this. You can be the light of the world. You can be a city on a hill. You can move away from offenses and, and move away from things that bring damage to you. You see, the Word of God says a very simple thing. Says, in Philippians, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And it's not a fear and trembling towards God. For me, it's a fear of not fulfilling the purpose of God for my life. That is, that is, that is why I want to work out my own salvation. Because I think God has got so much more for me. I don't think I've even tapped into a, a hundredth of what God has for me. You know, Matthew 6, Mark 16 says that to those who believe, they have hands on the sick and they will be well. We'll drink deadly poison. And nothing will affect us. And yet, how many of us are living in those things? I watched the film yesterday where a guy, a little boy, asked a, a pastor. So he, there's a statue outside, and, and we'll know the story, but there's a statue outside of Jesus healing blind Bartimaeus. And this little boy says to the pastor, do these things still happen in the church? And he says, no, nah, not really anymore. God deals with us differently right now. And this childlike faith didn't understand this. But this is where we are. God hasn't stopped healing. God hasn't stopped delivering. God hasn't stopped setting people free. God hasn't stopped healing marriages. God hasn't stopped removing cancer. God hasn't stopped throwing away wheelchairs and making the lame walk in the blind seat. None of that has stopped. He just can't find hands to be used anymore. Because we don't believe anymore. We don't believe that that kind of stuff happens in church. But yet it should be the common thing in our lives. It should be the common thing in our lives. That people are being healed around us and people are being delivered and people are being set free. And people are coming to the knowledge of Jesus not by what we say, but who we are. There's an old saying that says a very simple thing. It says that you might be the only Bible that anybody will ever read. And this concerns me. It concerns me that the church has hit the wobble. It concerns me that we're fighting about things that we should not be fighting about. We should not be fighting about the government with their regulations and rules. We should be praying that God would touch their hearts, that the city would change. We're in fights that we're not called to fight, we're in battles we're not called to battle. We've engaged with people that God has not called us to engage with. Because what is the function of church? Do you think, do you think Jesus was dreaming this when he hung on the cross? Do you think he was excited about us owning a building in Charlotte? Hey, do you think he was excited because, you know, we've got so many members? Well, he was very excited about pastor of the church, he did tell me. But do you think he was excited? Do you think this is, this is it? Do you think this is it? Not a chance. This 
this, where we're sitting right now, needs to be the overflow of what happened in our, in our lives during the week. <laughs> Every one of you sitting here this morning should have brought someone that came to Jesus this week. Because that's a great commission. Go to all the world and make disciples, then baptize the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That, that's what you have to do this week. That was the only job all told you to do. Go to all the world. Go. Every week we come back empty handed. So I deal with putting us hunting, never she said anything. <laughs> this is where we are. Sorry, Devil. This is where we are. How many of us how many of us are doing well? How many of us are living out the Great Commission? But you know what our problem is? You know what our, what our problem is? This okay. This okay is our problem. With my That's our problem. We don't go to the Word of God and find out about the vaccine. No, no, we read four and a half thousand other idiots that wrote something on it. We've got conspiracy theories, we've got this, we've got that. Listen to me, listen to me. You hit what you focus on. You hit what you aim for. Get rid of this and get into this. This makes a lot more sense than this. You see, this is the opinion of man. This is the word of God. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. I wake up some mornings with 168 WhatsApp messages, of which probably 110 are conspiracy theories. I mean, I've got people that believe that Adolf Hitler is still alive and behind this whole pandemic. <laughs> it's this madness. The world has gone mad. The world has gone mad. Oh, well, this vaccine will never cure it. No, the vaccine will never cure it. What you and I need to be praying for is godly men and women that have the knowledge to create a vaccine that does work. Because God made people like that as well. We're in a season right now where people are desperately looking for answers. They don't know their loved ones are dying, their families are dying. They need something. And if they, don't, if they aren't able to turn to you and they're not able to turn to me, they're going to turn to medication and drugs and alcohol and whatever. I thank God that when I hit my darkest hour, when I turned around, there was someone standing waiting for me to tell me about Jesus. You've got to understand what is happening. We're focusing on the wrong stuff here. In closing, we found the two disciples the same thing. You know, Jesus is basically speaking about how he's going to die and he's going to be raised from the dead. And he's got these two brothers sitting next to him and saying, so before you go, Lord, can you tell us which one of us two will be sitting at your right hand when you reach heaven? <laughs> Disciples. Disciples. People that walked with Jesus for many years. Didn't hear what he was saying, but wanted to know what their future looked like. And this is the problem with the world right now, that we are too concerned about what our future looks like and not concerned about what Jesus is saying right now in the season. How many of us are praying and say, Father, what is it that you need of me right now? 
What is that you need of this church right now? What is it you needed me as a person, as a pastor, as a father, as a brother, as a mother? As a, what do you expect of me? What do you want me to do in the season? The Word of, the Word of God says that when we commit our ways to Him, He directs our path. And how many can honestly say in the Zoom this morning, Father, we are praying into the situation right now because we don't want to end up in that broad gate. Because it's so easy to go with the crowd. And it's so difficult to stand out from the crowd at times. Because when you stand out from the crowd, that's where criticism comes. And that's where judgment comes. But maybe that's just what we called. Maybe there's a reason why Jesus hung on a cross by himself. And not with 500 followers. He's a personal God. And He wants you. And He wants to get to know you. Oh, but God is He's, That's fine. That's fine. But I want to tell you something. That if we as a people... That if we as a church can individually see God with all of our hearts, the word said that we're going to be found by Him. You see, the problem is this, is that everyone, and I've said this before and I'll say this again, that everyone wants God to pour out a revival. We're all speaking about revival. You see, but in our minds, revival is the church being so full of people all falling over and getting healed. And God's form of revival is this, that He wants to touch the hearts of individual people that will cause a stirring in the crowd. You want to know how God's going to cause a revival? Do you know how a revival is going to start? The next revival is going to start with you. Because I want to tell you something, when there's revival with you and God in your bedroom, there's revival with you and God wherever you go. Get back to that. They go all the nonsense and all the stuff and all the conspiracy stuff and worrying about your salaries and worrying about this. Get back to Him. I want to tell you, this is the best message I've ever preached to you if you listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Fall in love with Him. Stop worrying about everyone else. Stop worrying about, well, what about this? What about church? No, 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 you and Him. Go find a space. You know, I went away to Prague. We keep getting so confused. Probably about two years ago now. I thought about that the other day. And we come out of busy season and little do we know that we became the pandemic. But I, I put my headphones on and I, I put my cell phone in my pocket and I Went along the river for a, for a walk one morning, just me and just God. And, and I found myself in such a place that I sat on this, next to this river and I just, I sat there and I just thought, so God, you know, and, and I found myself almost speaking to God, but really not having the words. You know when you're in conversation with someone and they just keep quiet? You know, it's this awkward moment, you know, don't know what to say, just feel like you need to speak. That's how I felt. And in that moment, I just thought, God, have I really moved so far away from our relationship that I now feel awkward just to have this 10 minutes with you? All of a sudden, I, I don't know what to say to you. Almost like, 
And because all I know is that I need to pray. But the Word of God said He really knows every thought before I even pray it. So that's not the answer. And I started to realize He wanted this. The rest that I was asking, He had covered. But what He needed was this. That changed my life. And I'd been in the ministry probably 18 years at that time. But I'd lost focus that this is what He wants. And if he gets this right, he can change the world. And if he gets this right, he can change the world. And if he gets this right, he can change the world. And if he gets this right, he can change the world. And if we stop falling in love with Jesus as a corporate body, because that's easy, but we are able to fall in love with him, understand that our love for him gives us cure and gives us deliverance and gives us redemption and gives us power and removes our sins as far as the east is from the west and makes us and gives us free, free access to the throne of God. A lot happens. And this week I want to leave this thought with you. Can you get to know Him? Can you this week spend more time with Him? I want to challenge you. We can watch series for four hours. We can watch rugby for two hours. We can watch test cricket for the whole entire day. But then when we sit down and we come to Him, it's like 30 seconds and we don't know what to say to each other. And this concerns me. This concerns me because I think, you see the Word of God says in the end times, the love of God will grow cold to many. Has our love grown cold? You see, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He hasn't moved an inch. He hasn't moved an inch. But we find ourselves doing this, you know. A God in need is a God indeed. You know, when things are good, you know, it's easy just to mess on the broad road. But when things are really tough, you know, then we, we're there, God, you know. And then God heals us, sets us free, delivers us, changes our, our financial situation, and next minute we find ourselves just drifting away into that happy space and then the poor points the fan again and all of a sudden we running back to God, God I really love you and it's not this consistent thing it's not this consistent relationship that I love you and you love me and that's enough and I want to challenge you in, in your personal walk with God today I don't want to be heavy with you but I want to tell you one thing there is an incredible anointing and there is an incredible blessing falling in love with Jesus and there's even something better than falling in love with Jesus is knowing him is knowing his heart for me and knowing his heart for the church and, and knowing his heart for my family and knowing his heart for my kids and, and, and you guys are such I know his heart for you and I want you to catch his heart because he's this amazing amazing God that loves you so much that he's dying just to get into a relationship with you he just died for the two of you just to fall in love again and just not know about each other. But to physically come and spend time in His presence. And I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where your journey is taking you. But I'll tell you one thing. Right? I, I've had to repent this week. Because when I sat with Him this week, I said, God, I'm so sorry I've drifted so far from that relationship that I desired from You. It's so easy to get caught up in, you know, in 60 funerals and, you know, trying to navigate weddings and 
trying to help people and praying for people. And, and yes, those all things are great. But, but the stuff of God can't keep me away from God. And the devil will come and throw you all these godly things at you. And yes, how do you think cults form? Cults all start off in the word of God. But the minute their focus moves from God to a man, that's when a cult is formed. That's what a cult is. Is that when a man starts to get worshipped above Jesus Christ, then you've got a cult. Devil's got an old song that he says, I just want you. I just want you. And I believe he just wants you. Can we stop worrying about this? Can we stop worrying about what's happening outside those doors? It's got to be me and him. It's got to be me and him. I want to get to that space again. We have to just sit at his feet and it's okay. It's not religion, it's relationship. You see, it's very difficult when you're married to one woman and have to share your love with 55 others. But when you're married to one woman and you focused on one woman and you focused on the love that you have for her and how awesome she is and what a blessing she is from God in your life, you know what love is. You see, love is something that cannot be divided into sections. It comes as a whole package. And He loves you as a whole. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you're, what, what you're going through right now. Get back to Him. Can we stand? Father, I want to thank you for this morning. Father, it's so easy to get caught up. And without us even realizing it, we, 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 we're moving towards that broad gate because, you know, everyone else is going that way and, and everyone else is saying this and it looks like the easier road and there's less travel or less drama on that road or whatever it might be. And we know there's a real challenge, Father, in seeking that narrow gate. There's a real challenge in, in staying pure. There's a real challenge in just being all that you've called us to be. There's a real challenge, Father, in spending time with you. And we don't understand that, Father, we were created. The Word says that we created. The, the only reason why Jesus died, the only reason, the only reason why Jesus died is that you and I could have a relationship because sin separated us. And he took that away. Jesus didn't die that the church become big and, and wealthy. He died simply that I could restore my relationship with God once my sin has been removed. This is the individual death that he died for us. And our Father made this week become, become those people that fall in love with you all over again and just find time to spend in your presence. Just find time to fall in love with you. Time, time just to, to chat. You might be going through some stuff right now. Maybe you don't even know if you're saved. You don't even know where you are this morning. But I want to pray with you this morning if you're watching. 
And I wanted to say this to you without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the best choice you'll ever make. And I want to say this to you this morning. There is nobody, nobody in this entire universe that loves you more than he loves you. And if you need to restore that relationship this morning, it's time to call out to him. The Bible said, Father, here I am, a sinner. I thank you for Calvary. I thank you that my sins have been removed as far as this is from the West. And I thank you, Father, that as I come into knowledge and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life, I once again into that throne of grace that I am able to come into your presence. Father, I ask that you receive me as a child in the kingdom. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would help us to stay on the narrow. Doesn't matter what the broad gate looks like, may we stay focused on you. And Father, even as you spend time with you, I pray for signs and wonders and miracles just to follow us. I pray for the Great Commission to come become a source of inspiration. That's something we want to do to go into all the world. But may we spend time with you. May we fall in love with you this week like never before. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.